Hi everyone, Brother George here. Thanks for joining me for Bible Made Easy podcast. I hope you're all doing well. We've just passed the Easter season where in episode 34 I talked about why Jesus died for our sins. But some people wonder, well what is sin? Tell me what is and isn't a sin. Okay, let's see what the Bible has to say about that. The original Hebrew and Greek words used in the Old and New Testaments translated into the English word sin mean to miss the mark, to fail, to be wrong, or to make an error. The ancient theologian and philosopher St. Augustine described sin as a word, deed, or desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. And what is the eternal law of God? Well, the Apostle Paul summed it up when he expounded on Jesus' ultimate commandments to love God and our neighbours when he said in Romans 13.10-8 The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So what this means is that to sin is to disobey God's law of love by doing anything that's unloving or hurtful towards God, others, or ourselves. So that's the broad definition of sin. But how do we boil that down to specific behaviours and actions? How do we know what is and isn't a sin? Well, first of all, God has given us a conscience. That's his voice in the heart of every person, whether we know the Bible or not, that convicts us of certain behaviours that are pretty much obviously sinful and hurtful to ourselves or others. When we do those things, we instinctively know we've done wrong, because our conscience hurts us. So that's a start. Actually, before the Bible was written, that was the primary way humankind knew what was sinful. And even today, those who don't know God are guided by their consciences. But over time, as the Bible was written, God revealed to us more and more specifics about his will for us and what he considers sinful. So now, the Bible is the yardstick by which we measure whether our behavior and attitudes are sinful or not. There are specific actions and attitudes mentioned in the Bible that God says are harmful, and thus sinful, and so we should avoid them. And when God says some action or attitude is a sin, there's always a good reason for it. He doesn't give commandments just for the sake of it. When he discourages or forbids something, it's always because those behaviours don't lead to human flourishing and happiness. It's because he has our best interests at heart. I'll give you an example. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This verse is seen as a prohibition against swearing, bad-mouthing, complaining, criticizing and other negative talk. Why does God prohibit such speech? Because he's against free speech? No. It's because he knows that talking like that just leads to unhappiness for yourself and everyone around you. 
Imagine how the internet and the social media would improve if everybody obeyed that commandment. By the way, speaking of commandments, I should mention here that we're not under the Old Testament commandments and laws any longer. While many of them, like the Ten Commandments, are still applicable today, there are hundreds of other Old Testament laws that were given specifically for the time period before Jesus came to earth. But they've been done away with now and superseded by his law of love and other specific commandments found in the four Gospels and letters written by New Testament writers. In the show notes, I'll include a list of things the New Testament specifies as sinful. Most of them are pretty clear-cut and easy to see why they're bad. They're listed in alphabetical order and not according to how serious they are. It's not an exhaustive list of everything that would be a sin, though, but it is a pretty good guide. But what about the multitude of attitudes and behaviours not specifically mentioned in the Bible? Here are some principles to follow to help you to know. 1. Is it in line with the Bible and its commandments and principles? 2. Is it good for you? 3. Is it good for others in your life? 4. Does it hurt you or others in any way? 5. Do you feel the peace of God about it? Usually, if something is bad for us, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to convict our hearts about it. Besides those biblical specifics applicable to all of us, there are also sins particular to the individual. An example would be eating certain foods. It might be okay for one person to eat it, but for another it might not agree with them or be bad for them in some way and so it would be an abuse of their body to eat, and thus a sin for them. Or maybe our own personal connection with God leads us to do or not do certain things particular to our own situations. So it would be a sin for us personally to go against His specific will for our lives, while for another person, He might be leading them differently. This is where our own conscience and connection with God common sense and personal judgment come in to weigh up what is God's will for us in our particular circumstances as long as it doesn't contradict the commandments and principles of the Bible. Are there degrees of sin? Of course. While every sin is wrong, just like there are degrees of crimes in society, sin comes in various levels of severity depending on how much it hurts God, others or ourselves. And there's also a difference between deliberate and defiant sins and those that are done unintentionally out of human weakness or ignorance. So what are the effects of sin? Well, the worst result of sin, especially deliberate and unrepentant sin, is that it separates us from God. Isaiah the prophet pointed this out to the disobedient people of Israel in Isaiah 59.2, where he said, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Sin also causes problems in our relations with others. Sins like selfishness, pride, jealousy, bitterness and anger lead to strained relationships between individuals, social groups and nations. And this is where we get problems like poverty, oppression, racism and discrimination, and even outright violence and war. Sin always has a destructive effect on our lives. 
When we sin, especially deliberately and defiantly, it always leads to some sort of degrading effect on our minds, bodies and spirits. Sin puts us out of harmony with God, our friends and loved ones, and it causes unhappiness, stress, feelings of guilt, distress, shame and hopelessness and a lack of peace. Sin can cause physical and mental health problems and worse of all, keep us out of heaven if we don't accept forgiveness through Jesus. That's why Romans 6.23 warns us that the wages of sin is death. So what do we do about sin? Well, we can't become completely pure and sinless and try to avoid sinning altogether. That's impossible, and that's not even the goal. We've all kind of like inherited a sin gene from Adam, a natural human disposition to sin. But what we can do is try to minimize sin so that it doesn't have such a stronghold on us. The first step is to just admit you're a sinner and ask God for forgiveness and receive cleansing. 1 John 1.7 says, The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Besides guaranteeing your salvation and place in heaven in the next life, you'll be amazed at the feeling of relief, the lifting of the weight, guilt and shame that receiving his forgiveness and cleansing will give you. After receiving his forgiveness and cleansing, reading and studying the Bible is what will help you learn his standards recognize your particular weaknesses and sins, and help you to avoid them. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Reading God's word and staying close to him cleanses your mind and spirit, gives you an appetite for the right things, and keeps you away from yielding to your sinful nature. And of course, when temptation to sin becomes strong, like it does for all of us sometimes, you can use the following weapons at your disposal to fight it off. Pray for God to help you. Ask others to pray for you. Ask a trusted loved one or friend to help you stay on the right track and keep you accountable. Use your will or won't power and refuse to yield to temptation. Concentrate on doing something positive and constructive. Yielding to sin, especially deliberately, just brings misery and unhappiness to us and everyone around us. But obeying and staying close to Jesus does the opposite. It keeps us happy, peaceful and right with God and others. Thanks a lot for joining me today, everyone. Please subscribe in order to get notified of new episodes. And please also hit the like button and write a positive comment or give a five-star review if you can. See you next time.